Hi, Dave Stahoviak here, host of the Coaching for Leaders podcast. In one minute, you're about to hear the next Saturday cast with Joseph Gattuno, one of our Academy members, on how to lead through consistency. Before we start, I've just announced that applications are open to the Coaching for Leaders Academy from now until Friday, September 11th. If you're ready to shift from knowledge about leadership to significant action in leading better, the Academy may be right for you. I'm inviting you to discover more by visiting coachingforleaders.com slash academy. Be sure to visit and read the details before Friday, September 11th when applications close. That address again is coachingforleaders.com slash academy. I look forward to connecting with you personally if the Academy may be right for you. Thank you for listening. And now here's the Saturday cast with Joseph. Leadership isn't an event. It's a journey. On this Saturday cast, how trusting the process through consistency makes all the difference. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 490. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. This is an episode of the monthly Saturday Cast. The Saturday Cast is sponsored by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. If you are interested in working with me personally over a year with a leadership development cohort to help to drive your leadership development and organizational results, you can discover more and sign up for the opportunity to connect for future applications for the Academy by going over to coachingforleaders.com slash Academy. And today I am so thrilled to be able to uh, bring you a conversation with one of our current Academy members who is always thinking about being an effective leader and whether or not he's achieving his potential. And he's going to challenge us to do that well today. I'm glad to introduce to you Joseph Gattuno. Joseph is a finance director based in the country of Mauritius. He's a longtime listener of the show over four years now and has been a member of the Coaching for Leaders Academy for the past year. Joseph, so glad to have you on the show. Thanks, Dave. I'm also glad to be here. Well, before we start, I have to say up front here that you are a legend in the Academy and in our conversations because we'll be having a conversation about something related to leadership and inevitably, you're the person that will jump into the conversation and say, oh, Dave had an episode six and a half years ago on that. Here's the episode number. And then you pull out six or seven notes from that episode. And <laughs> you you more so than anyone else in our listening community know the library better than I do. <laughs> so uh, I'm curious first, before we even jump in, how you're doing that. And you've shared some of the notes you've sent to me of episodes and details. What's your process like for capturing ideas and information from listening to podcasts? The thing that drives me to create detailed notes and to try and internalize the message is the fact that uh, at the end of the day, what you share with with the people that you actually host on the show or you know the the other discussions that we've had with in the academy give me the kind of tools that I need to apply on a daily basis. So setting aside time to actually make sure that I get the key points from the discussion and creating a system that enables me to retrieve this information easily 
is one of the key advantages that I find from maintaining a well-structured and you know properly organized uh, system for storing the notes that I get from listening to the podcasts. So it's it's actually a very simple process for me. Every time I listen to the podcast, Dave, after that 20 or 30 minutes, I just sit down and, and, and sort of rerun the podcast, even if it's on a speed of 1.5 times, and then I, I, I note down all of the key points. And this helps re- it to stick and, and get assimilated in the way I think and the way I act on a daily basis. Fascinating. So you listen to podcasts kind of the way I read of doing a first run through, just listening, and then the second run through is at speed, but you're then using that to capture what's relevant, jotting it down. Correct. That's right. Uh, nice. And then ongoing, how do you pull from those? What do you do to surface that information that you may have written down two, three, four years ago? I think the thing is with the leadership challenges that we face, Dave, and, and I think this will resonate to most of our team members or the, or the listeners to the podcast, is that there are sort of underlying themes that keep on repeating themselves. And if you are interested enough or if you are committed enough, you would easily remember there's a concept that I had learned about how to properly manage a team that is being defined by probably Susan Keki or by you know engendering psychological safety in your team and having a proper system of actually recording and taking up the notes enables you to quickly go back skim through the key points and then sort of uh, be well armed to attack the scenario that you're actually facing so and this is very interesting because i sort of realized and i think you must have also seen it dave once you read a book and you really don't apply it most of that information disappears after some time yeah. Yeah. So being kind to your future self in such a way that, you know, you have a repository somewhere that you can easily go back to and refresh what you've learned in the past, you know, makes you a, a better person and, you know, you'll be able to add value to the people around you. Nadine. So it is sometimes it takes time. It's difficult to do, but the benefits are enormous. and It enables you to enrich your daily life. You really do practice what you preach too, because each one of our sessions, you are often pulling on theories. And what I love about what you do, though, is that it's not just pulling theory. You often have an example of how you've applied it and the practice you have used on the front end to record what you're hearing, to surface the most important things, and then to apply it is is really fascinating. And so I thought it'd be fun for us to highlight some of the things that you've actually taken and applied. And you mentioned Susan Gerke just a moment ago, and she's one of the folks that came up in your database and in your practice as far as utilizing some of the things she's taught. And she has been on the show many times. Episode 192 in particular on how to set team guidelines has been a very popular episode over the years for many of our listeners. And I know it has been for you as well. When you think about team guidelines. What did you discover from her and how has it been helpful to you? So for me, Susan Geke's work really helped me identify ways in which I can help the teams that I'm operating in you know, work optimally and therefore compound their impact in terms of organizational performance. So the key learnings that I got from Susan Geke is simply that and, and there's a very key phrase that she likes to use in episode 192, like you've said, that the dialogue that happens when the team guidelines are being created is almost the highest value thing that can happen. So putting that into context, then it actually means that 
people want to be as relational as possible and they want to operate in an environment where they feel valued and you know considered and heard at the end of the day and this cannot happen if the team itself does not really define how they interact with each other and what kind of norms they will put in in place to make sure that they operate as one single unit and they value each of the member that you know makes up that team so for me the key guideline was just that that you know the first thing you have to do is you have that discussion as a team how you'll be acting as a team before you really start doing the things that that team is supposed to i would say that would be one of the greatest takes that i got from the podcast with the susan it's such a key message from her because it's not just about creating guidelines it's the conversation to get there as you mentioned as you've done that with your team what did you find that emerged that was useful to the folks in your organization? I think for me, the greatest benefit that I saw, Dave, was that uh, the team was more engaged and they found meaning in what they did on a daily basis. And I could see them getting along much better than they had gotten before we had those discussions. So for me, this, I think, is the greatest is the greatest reward you can get as a leader to actually see that your team is performing in a way that drives them towards the common objective and, and they value each other for their diverse qualities at any single point in time. If I had attended one of your meetings nine months ago, and now after going through that process of doing the team guidelines I attended today, what's the biggest difference that I would notice? You would notice that now we have a lot of patience. You would also, know, uh, as in amongst each other in the team, you would also notice that the team members really want to hear what each and every other person wants to say on a particular on a particular issue. And for me, the greatest thing is that you would not notice who is the boss and who reports to who in the team. It's a very open kind of discussion where people are able to put the issues on the table and discuss them squarely. And be it issues that relate to, for example, how they interacted over the weekend with their families, be it uh, key issues that challenges that they are facing in the business, or at the end of the day, some of the constraints that they themselves personally are having in their own work. I actually find that the environment that this has created is an open environment where people are able to share experiences and help each other, such that I, as the leader, sometimes end up being the spectator and, and you know, I don't have to give all the directions or, or the solutions to all the problems. But I think this is one of the things that makes my day you know, light up each and, every, each and every time I experience it. Ah, you've become more coach-like in the process of setting those, those expectations with the team. Yes, and I would extend it even further that I've become coach-like and, and the people themselves have indirectly become other small coaches that now takes off the pressure from me from being the overall coach. Mm. You said to me recently, having the humility to identify that you have gaps has been really important. And I'm thinking about that in the context of self-awareness. And you've talked with me about self-awareness a few times. And one of the folks we've had on the show before that you've highlighted is Tasha Yurik and her work on self-awareness. As you've thought more about that humility and, and looking for those gaps, what's been helpful to you to, to surface self-awareness and to improve it? For self-awareness, the key realization that I've come to have is that I have now become more comfortable to actually saying I don't know. 
So be it in specific discussions, so whether that's uh, I'm discussing with the leadership team, be it uh, when I'm discussing with, with my fellow teammates in finance, or even on my daily, on my daily routines uh, where I'm dealing with my kids. At that point in time, initially, before I became more self-aware, I had a lot of pressure. I felt a lot of pressure to always know things, be the person who's giving direction, always take the front line. But with self-awareness and, and the issue of identifying gaps, I think the greatest learning that I've gotten from, from the discussions that you've had in episode 442 with Tasha Ulrich is that it is, it is okay to say no. It is, it is okay to, be, to actually start to identify that you have some gaps. And it is only once you start identifying those gaps and having this consistent feedback that you can be able to take a step back look at the reality and you know design specific actions that help you grow and move forward in your leadership. You mentioned that being helpful also as a parent. Where has that been helpful to you with your kids? <laughs> I have two kids. One is eight, uh, the other one is five. So one of the things that I've done is that I've come to realize, and I think most of the parents have, is that most of the kids look up towards you as somebody who knows quite a lot of things. And at the end of the day, even they themselves try and transpose what they think of you to either their friends or even their younger siblings. So one of the things that I realize is that if I can start inculcating in them that they should be comfortable to actually say, look, I don't know about this thing, tell me more and be more curious, I think that for me would, would be setting them up on a good journey towards their future selves. So for me, one of the objectives I do is that for them, even though I know, you know, how to respond to a specific thing, I hold back and probably just say, you know, I also don't know. And it's okay not to know. But uh, how, how do you think and, and, and sort of push it back to them to start coaching them at their young age to make them start to ask themselves the questions of how they can get better responses, how they can get better solutions to the problems that they would be facing at their level. So for me, it's a never-ending journey, be it in the office, be it in the house, be it uh, in the supermarket, it's the same thing. You've latched on to the tagline that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, leaders aren't born, they're made. And you've introduced me also to an expert that has not been on the show uh, before, Hermania Arbara. And she has a book out called Act Like a Leader, Think Like a Leader. What have you discovered from her work that's been really useful to you? Yeah, so what I've discovered from her work, Dave, is, is the misconception that most of us as leaders have, where you would think you would think that thinking your way through a certain behavior will enable you to act like that at a, at a specific point in time, and therefore, you know, you would think like a leader, and then now you'd become that leader. So I think that's that's the natural inclination for most of us as leaders as you are growing up to actually first think about something and then then go and act with the expectation that it would stick. Now, Emine Ibarra, what she's done very well with, with her work is to turn this around. And for me, the greatest thing that came out is that you have to be, again, it's, 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 it's like one of the things that you've discussed uh, in the podcast with the Neil Parischa on the value of being uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. And the issue is that exactly you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable by acting in a particular way. And then with the expectation that once you act, you can then reflect and refine your actions to give you better insight and therefore 
make those habits stick in you as a leader. So you see, most of these things they gel very well with exactly what you do in the academy as well, and 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 what you've brought up in the show uh, with the previous guests. And for me, it you know it just comes to life when I try and relate all this material together. Yeah, and you've heard me say so many times the word movement in our work in the academy, and so much of it is I, I do often find myself encouraging all of us to take a step forward, even if it ends up being the wrong step, because as you highlighted, you end up discovering something from it. You learn something you didn't know before. You collect some data. You find out what doesn't work in some cases. And that then informs step two or step three or helps illuminate the path that you didn't even see at the beginning because now you have more information that then makes it easier to figure out what's the right way to go. Yes. Yes, Dave. That's 100% correct. And I would just like to add that, you know, for the concept of movement, there's something that I really appreciate that uh, was was that related this to us in the academy is that when you're thinking about movement, it does not have to be big incremental steps that you know you would be really moving and feel that I've really done something. So it is good. It is good to have those you know game changer kind of uh, movements that people can have in their leadership journeys. But like you said, the most important thing is to do small steps, but again be very consistent as to how you actually go about making these small steps on a daily or on a regular basis. And I think that's the foundation of the academy, like you would share with most, of our, with most of us, is to simply say, pick on one thing, then start doing it. And that's where the movement comes from. Yeah, indeed. And uh, it's interesting you mentioned consistency because one of the notes you had sent me was the notes from the episode with John Maxwell, who was on earlier this year. And w- one of the key things he mentioned in that conversation was the importance of a word that isn't, uh, it doesn't get enough attention in leadership, but that word consistency. And as you've thought about consistency and his message on consistency, you've, one of the things I hear you say a lot in our conversations is trust the process. Tell me more about that. Yes. Yeah, so again, consistency by itself like john maxwell said you know it's it's not a it's not as it's not a fancy word that people relate leadership to but it sort of sets up the kind of context as to how difficult some of these changes can be and the skills that you require to make sure that you actually ingrain and get the and and and, and actually change behavior so for me why consistency is key is is, is simply because Consistency is what Dave will define you from from really getting and ingraining something and seeing the real value benefits and and growing as a person at the end of the day from just it being you know a one-off thing that you listen to a podcast be excited about it one or two days and then you know, just shelve it in a in a in a tree in the corner and then forget about it. So for me, the 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 theme of consistency is aligned to the discipline and the amount of effort that we have to make as leaders to even ingrain these small changes in our daily lives. So, and like we've always said, it's, it's not easy. It's not, it's not for the faint-hearted, but with consistency, it becomes easier for you to actually work on it and get the intended results over a long period of time. This comes back to what we were talking about earlier, too, in capturing ideas and notes from the episodes. And one of the key things I hear you saying is this isn't an or, it's an and. The tendency for a lot of us is to focus on 
acquiring knowledge, acquiring information, listening to podcasts, reading books, watching TED Talks. And what I hear you say is, yes, and put as much attention and focus on the consistency to take action as you do with the acquiring information and ideas. Absolutely, Dave. That's right. That's right. And and I think just to add to that, Dave, we would even extend it a little bit and say it is only at this kind of regional space when you're when you're being consistent, when you're actually doing it even when you feel like you don't want to do it, when you're thinking of your future self and how you're going to be kind by actually documenting something and, and coming back to it as a point of reference, that discipline is what creates the difference between you listening to a podcast and forgetting about it, you listening to a certain concept and really not applying it, and you making real margin or real intentional margin in your actions as a leader. So for me, consistency is key, and I related to it 100% from the episode that we did with John Maxwell. One of the challenges I run into, and I know many others run into too, is when we're, we're doing the thing we know likely is going to result in something good if we keep doing it consistently, but we just don't see any results right away, or maybe even for the first few weeks or months. When you run into that and you're doing the thing that you know is the right thing to do and you're staying consistent with it, how do you keep yourself going and staying motivated to keep acting that way when you're not seeing results immediately? That's a very good question, Dave, because now that that sort of turns it around to you identifying the proper support system that will enable you to recenter yourself towards your achievement of this goal that you'll set out for you to achieve. So like in the academy, uh, for example, if I took that, is that we have we have the 90-day commitments, which is we keep on reviewing every other two weeks and we keep on checking on each other to see how is it going, what challenges are you having, what kind of experiences can you share, what kind of learnings have you been able to obtain to sort of adjust your course to see if your 90-day commitment is actually working or not? So I would also extend that and say for the people who maybe might not be having that kind of opportunity to be working with a certain group of individuals uh, who we normally call unicorns in the, in the academy, I would invite them to sort of identify one or two mentors who they can trust that will hold them accountable to this over a long period of time. And there's usually a lot of power when you have somebody that you feel accountable to and you will know that this person will understands you and is and he's in need to actually develop you going forward. So having a mentor in place, having a proper support system always has enabled me. So and my support system has been the academy as well as some of the mentorship discussions has always enabled me to find enough energy to go back and keep on working on my objectives, even when the going gets tough. Mm, Thank you for sharing that. I'm thinking about one other thing that comes up too in many of our conversations, and I think it's come up for you too, Joseph, is you have started something and you're being consistent and it becomes apparent that it's not the right thing to focus on. Because sometimes the consistency, you know, when it's something that's not working, doesn't make sense to keep doing. And I'm I'm sort of curious if you've run into that and when you have, how you've reconciled the, should I keep doing this because I want to stay consistent versus this isn't working. I need to maybe pivot and do something a little different and trying a new behavior. What's come up for you on that? 
Yeah, for me, two things have come up, Dave. Uh, the first thing is uh, is the issue of self compassion, and the second thing is actually being comfortable to change course and uh, you know pick a new probably direction and uh, keep on working on it. So for self compassion, I would say this is also one of the muscles that being in the academy has helped me really build. And for self compassion is simply being able to say that it's okay. What I wanted to do probably does not seem to work. And uh, I can change course because it's only fools who don't change courses when they actually see that the data before them indicates that they were on the wrong boat to start with at the first place. So having a mix of those two, having enough self-compassion to actually say it's okay to change and being comfortable with making the actual change is what I would say are the key things that I have realized. Make the difference between you moving very quickly on concepts or you being stuck in the past and being very sad and, and miserable. So in terms of key examples, like uh, you have said, so I think there's, there, there are some experiences that I've actually had with some of my team members where I am very convinced that, you know, this is the right thing to do, maybe to address a specific problem. And if I look at myself, maybe one or two years in the past, I would have been very hesitant to change and I would have felt very aggrieved if one of my reportees came to me and said, you know what, uh, this is what is supposed to happen and I've, I've actually told them to do something else differently and it would not turn out very well if I looked at myself one or two years in the past. But currently, what I came to realize and I was very excited after having quite a, a number of academy discussions is that I am more comfortable to actually listen and accept that, you know, I need to be curious because there's something I really don't know about the situation that maybe I can learn from my interactions with the rest of my team members. And that has enabled me to have better discussions, to make my team members feel more valued, and also get better results on a day-to-day basis as compared to how it would have been two or three years ago. The overall intention is still the same, but the tactic you are comfortable changing after noticing what's happening and what's not happening in order to find the right tactic for the right situation. That's right. Hmm. Oh, thank you for sharing that. You have alluded to changing in a number of different things on your thinking over the last few years. And I am curious, as you have been on this journey of self-discovery, of leadership development over the last few years, certainly in the academy, but you've even been doing that prior to the academy, what have you changed your mind on? One of the things that I've changed my mind on, Dave, is that uh, as a leader, you have to understand that it's all about the team and the people who you're actually leading. We have to appreciate the fact that leadership is not about us as leaders, but at the end of the day, empowering those around you to become better versions of themselves. And with that, then you will say that you've really succeeded as being a leader at the end of the day. I think that is what has stuck with me you know, in the last uh, one year. Joseph Gatuno, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us and your inspiration of leading well daily. So grateful for it. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me today. Joseph and I referenced a number of past episodes in our conversation. One of them is episode 192, How to Create Team Guidelines with Susan Gerke. It's one of the episodes that's been 
referenced so many times over the years, so many of you have found it useful in creating team guidelines, whether it's a team forming for the first time, or perhaps you're stepping in as a leader of an existing team, or maybe a team is changing composition. All of those are good reasons to check out episode 192 and think about what you might do to create team guidelines. I also recommended episode 404, How to Build Psychological Safety with Amy Edmondson. Amy is really the leading voice on psychological safety and the research behind it. Joseph mentioned it briefly in our conversation, although he's really dived in on her work a lot, and it's been a key tentpole in building more of a strong culture within his own team. Episode 404 is a great place to go if you are looking for some practical tools to do that as well. We also mentioned episode 442, The Way to Be More Self-Aware with Tasha Yurik. In that episode, some very practical things each one of us can do in order to raise our self-awareness of one of the core tenets of emotional intelligence, as you've heard the message from Daniel Goleman on the show before. Episode 442 is a great starting point for that. We also mentioned Neil Pazrika. He's been on the show a couple of times in the past, New York Times bestselling author, and we talked most recently in episode 448 about the value of being uncomfortable. That is a theme in pretty much every single session of our academy, and it's something that so many of us recognize and realize that being a bit uncomfortable each day is actually a pretty good indicator that we are learning and growing ourselves. Episode 448, a good inspiration for that. And then, of course, episode 452, How to Motivate Leaders with John Maxwell. Joseph talked about uh, John's message about consistency and the importance of that in leadership for all of us. All of those episodes you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. If you go over to coachingforleaders.com, you can find, of course, this episode, all of the notes and resources, and every Saturday cast that we've aired over the years. Uh, they're all cataloged there inside the library of the leaders and listeners in our community that have taken what they've learned on the show and applied it in practical ways. Just uh, go inside the free membership there, search for Saturday Cast, and additionally, so many of the other topics that we have covered on the show since 2011, all of them there inside the catalog. Once you set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com, you'll have full access there. In addition, you'll also have access to the weekly leadership guides coming out every Wednesday, my own personal library, also all the audio courses. And one of the audio courses in there is an audio course from Susan Gerke on how to create team guidelines. So in addition to episode 192, that is a great starting point if you're wanting to dive in that on more detail. On Monday, the next episode coming up is a Q&A show, our monthly question answer show with Bonnie and I. If you have a question you'd like us to consider for a future question answer show, coachingforleaders.com slash feedback is where to go. Have a great weekend and see you Monday.